France were 1-0 down and for the first time in the tournament, they looked like they were in trouble. It was a, a bad moment. Yeah, you need to, uh, to put the good reaction on the, on the field. So that's why when you have players like Deschamps, De Sailly, uh, it's more easier to put your head up. But the French started the second half strongly and were level within five minutes with Arsenal striker Thierry Henry scoring his third goal of the tournament. The game went to extra time, with both sides having chances to take the lead. With minutes to go before a penalty shootout, David Trezeguet runs into the box, winds up a shot, but the ball is cleared off his feet by Portuguese keeper Vita Baier. After an agonising wait for the French, referee Gunter Benko awards a penalty. At Euro 2000, the golden goal rule applied in extra time. So whoever scored first was through. Zinedine Zidane faced down Vita Bayer from the penalty spot. Nobody knows the, the pressure on this moment. is very intense because it's semi-final. Can you imagine? So, crowd, so that's why yeah. the, the crowd it was full. If you score, you are the hero. But if you lost, all the country, they kill you. At that moment, Robert Perez had no doubt France were going through. When Zizoui put the, the ball, I say, yeah, it's finished for Portugal. Yeah. Zinedine Zidane, right footed, high into the net, and France are through to the final on Sunday in Rotterdam. In the other semi final, the Netherlands lost a penalty shootout to another aristocrat of the European game, Italy. The nickname for Italian team is Catenaccio. The base of the team is defence. When you are on, the de- on your defence, Pesotto, Maldini, Nesta, Cannavaro... Oof. Exactly, it's oof. Italy were famous for their catenaccio, or chain, tactical system, which relied on taking the lead and then shutting the opposition out completely, with five defenders and a defensively solid midfield. And in the final, that's exactly what happened, with Roma's Marco Del Vecchio giving the Italians the lead in the 55th minute. Pesotto's ball in. Oh, Del Vecchio's there to score for Italy. When Del Vecchio is scored, not to say it's finished, but almost. It was not a good game for France. And for France, it was difficult to find a solution. We, do, we didn't find a solution. Pires came on in the 86th minute with France still 1-0 down. But the French manager, Roger Lemaire, put him on at left-back and not his usual attacking midfield position. Roger Le Maire, he, he called me and said, yeah, you will, uh, I want to see you on the left flanks. I say, yes, OK, but I'm not a defender. Well, I'm very bad about this. I have only four minutes and maybe, mm. so what can I do? Did you basically ignore what he said? <laughs> a little bit, yes, a little bit. Italy's Catanaccio held heading into the final minute of the game. Then came the stunning equaliser from Sylvain Wiltor. Wiltor, in stopping time, has taken this European Championship final into extra time. When Sylvain Wiltor discord, we will say it's finished for Italian because he was tired, it's normal, because they fight against Dutch, they fight against uh, France in the final, so they lost a lot of energy. When Wiltor discord, we'll say, yeah, it's finished. The title is for France, yeah. Nearly the whole of extra time had been played with neither side getting the golden goal. But then, just three minutes before a dreaded penalty shootout, Robert Pires picks the ball up on the left-hand side. Pires now, dribbling well. Can he cut it back to Trezeguet? In it goes, Trezeguet! Trezeguet with the golden goal for France! The cross, it was no good, huh? No, believe me. 
David Trezeguet to score like this, it's an amazing goal. Amazing goal, yeah. France hadn't led in the final until the very last second, but it was the only second that mattered. Behind for 39 minutes, seconds away from losing in normal time, at the end of a gruelling tournament that had seen them beat Spain, Portugal and now Italy to climb to the top of the tree in Europe. Where is that Henry Delaunay trophy? It's in Deschamps' hands, he raises it to the skies. Flores go off. In France we say it was a good movie. <laughs> no, seriously. Everything was perfect. One of the best moments during my career, in this moment. It was the double. For us, it was very important to share in this moment. A trophy was like a bridge between the fans and the squad. So that's why it was a, a great moment. This would be the last great triumph of this French generation. Embarrassing exits would follow in the 2002 World Cup and the 2004 Euros. And this group of players would have their last great moment in the final of the 2006 World Cup, where they lost on penalties to Italy. But the achievements of this French team puts them amongst the very, very best international sides ever. And very proud about this. Of course, I used to play for the great team like Arsenal. It's the same, but at the end, when you play for your country, yeah, it's an amazing moment. And now for Sporting Witness with me, Steve Hankey. Today, it's the story of Polish table tennis player Natalia Partika, who became the youngest ever Paralympic athlete when she competed at the age of just 11. It's the 23rd of October 2000 at the Summer Paralympics in Sydney. Natalia Partika is playing against the Czech Republic's Jelana Davidkova in the first match of the group stages of the singles 10 category. At the age of 21, Jelana is a relative veteran, and that's because her opponent is just 11 years old. Davidkova went on to win two sets to nil. For Natalia Partika, the experience of being in Sydney meant much more than the result. I have never seen in my life so much disabled people in one place. I was really shocked and I had a chance to see people on the wheelchairs playing table tennis, so I have never seen that before. They were taking care on me from the beginning and they were showing me they have like normal life, that disability means nothing to them. They teach me that I can do anything I want, they, I can achieve anything I want. Voters inflicted a crushing defeat on the Communist Party. This election, Natalia Partika was born without a right hand and forearm and she grew up in Gdansk in northern Poland. She was born in July 1989, a month after Poland's first democratic elections since the collapse of the Soviet Union. As a child growing up in this new democracy, Natalia was inspired to play table tennis by seeing her older sister play. One day, the coach uh, said that if I want, I can come and try. And, you know, I was the younger one, so I just wanted to do everything like my sister. I came, I took the racket, and I think I love it from the beginning. The winner is Cindy. Less than three and a half years after picking up a table tennis racket for the first time, Natalia would be competing against the world's best players at the Sydney 2000 Paralympic Games. I was a small girl, I was 11 years old, and I was the youngest athlete in the Paralympic Games. I spent in Sydney almost one month, and you know, in that time we didn't have like smartphone or anything, so I couldn't 
call my parents anytime I wanted. It was tough for me and for them, but uh, I was having fun. Natalia would lose her two singles matches in Sydney, but tasted some success as Poland won against Japan in their final team match at the Games. And celebrations in Athens. 4,000 disabled athletes gather for the opening ceremony of the Paralympic Games. Four years later, at Athens in 2004, Natalia was, in her eyes, a seasoned veteran. I was already 15, so I was playing pretty good, I would say. And I played without any pressure and I had a fun. What was the reason you think you were able to have less pressure? Was it because of your coaches or was it because, you know, when, you, when you're young, you don't necessarily realise the magnitude of what you're doing? Uh, maybe I played without any pressure because I was uh, a teenager and I had no idea what's going on. And, you know, I just was happy that I'm playing Paralympics and I didn't expect anything. I just played. But the pressure came, you know, after that. Natalia flew out of the group stages with three straight victories, including defeating Japan's Yasuko Kudo, who'd won bronze in Sydney four years before. In the semi-finals, she saw off China's Yu Changli before facing reigning Paralympic champion Yolana Davidkova, now known as Matushkova. Four years on from her humbling by Yolana in Sydney, Natalia turned the tables emphatically. Matushkova met the same fate as Natalia's previous four opponents in Athens, she was swept aside three sets to nil as Natalia won her first Paralympic singles title without losing a single set during the whole tournament. I win. I was extremely happy. It was the first time when I win Paralympic gold and first gold, it meant a lot to me. Since the 21st of September 2004, no one else has been Paralympic champion in the table tennis singles in Natalia's class. She's also not lost a singles match at the Paralympics since her debut tournament in Sydney 20 years ago.